Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. So week three, talking about rebuilding. Talking about what it looks like to rebuild, maybe when life gets a little off track. Or even worse, when life feels like it's coming, crashing down around us. You know, we're talking about this because whether you realize it or not, whether it's happened or not in your life, we all have the possibility of finding ourselves in that hard place in life. Whether through your decisions or just circumstances, we can walk that hard road. Now, I would love for the truth to be that when we're walking this, we we can recognize what's happening. We can see what's going on around us. But the reality is sometimes it's hard to recognize it when we are in the middle of it. And what happens in life often is we have this, oh my goodness, moment. We have this, oh my goodness moment, I can't believe this is what has happened. Oh my goodness, I can't believe I've made those decisions. Oh my goodness, I can't believe the seat that I'm sitting in. How did I get here? But it's in this moment. The reason we're talking about this is in this moment, we have to own what has happened. We have to own the reality and say, okay, this is going to take some hard work. But that's okay. It's going to take some hard work, but that is okay because I want to build a more healthy and more stable life than what I'm experiencing right now. I need to rebuild. And for this concept, we've been looking at the life and the book of Nehemiah. You find that in the Old Testament. And we're looking at that because right out of the gate in chapter 1, we see that Nehemiah's life changed like this. And you felt that before. Things are good until they're not. Oh my goodness, moment. And and, in chapter one, you see Nehemiah's brother comes and he shares with him some news about his people, the Jewish people. He shares some news about the city that he loves, Jerusalem, that they are destroyed and everything is in rubble. And when he hears this news, he, he is moved to sadness and it grabs his heart in a deep place. And what he does is he begins to mourn, and he prays over and over and over again because this thing has grabbed his heart. And as he is praying and as he is fasting, I think it's in this moment that God grabs a hold of him and says, you have to do something about this. You can't just know about it. You can't just see it. You have to do something about it. You are going to rebuild that city. And what this does is it moves him from a comfortable life of being the cupbearer to the king to living a life of great purpose and mission. And it's in that move is what I wanted us that first week to take home, to see and remember is that his first move when he knew he needed to do something was not a move of action, but one of worship. See, his first move is not just a move to action, but it's a move to worship. He worships God by digging deeper into prayer. He had a prayer of confession. He had a prayer of praise. He had a prayer of asking God to bless him as he was going to go through this rebuild. Without this move, 
without his first move being one where he digs deeper in worship and, and, and prayer to God, I don't think we have the life and story of Nehemiah. I think we have it because his first move was so perfect. I think what we saw was that when that was his first move, that's what gave him the wisdom, that's what gave him the strength, that's what gave him the endurance. That's what gave him the provision to be successful from then on out. And don't forget this. When God calls us to rebuild, when we notice we have to rebuild something, our first move always makes a difference in what the outcome is. Where we move to makes a difference. And so we see Nehemiah. He, his first moves go right to God. And he says, God, I need you to help me. Lead me through this. And that's where he found success. Well, then last week we looked at chapter two. And last week we didn't talk about you. We didn't talk about me. We talked about us. I was really open about talking about us, One Hope Church. Because chapter two wasn't about one person. It was about all of us. And what we saw was Nehemiah gave a call to action for the people to do what? Rebuild together. Each person taking responsibility for their part of the rebuild. It was kind of an all-hands-on-deck situation. If you've missed either one of these, you can always go back and watch online. But he helped them understand that what they were doing was not just a physical rebuild, but it was a spiritual rebuild. A rebuild that was going to allow God to move in and through the world once again. God had done so much, but this rebuild wasn't about rebuilding back to what God had done, but about rebuilding to what God wanted to do next. So throughout the week in preparation, I just felt it was my place to stand in front of you and say, I think that's the exact same story that's happening here. That God is something new that he wants to do through this place that we've never experienced before. That after what felt like COVID putting church on pause for, to, for the typical mission that we can live out, it was time to press play again and say, no more pause. We've got to get in line with what God has for us next. Because this place was never created just to exist. And this was not created just to exist for us. But One Hope Church was created many, many years ago. For God to move through this place to change life after life. But in order for that to happen, what I said was, I think we need to all come together. I think this needs to be a collective rebuilding together. In order for us to experience that all God has for us, it's a coming together and saying, we will do this together. So my ask was simply, will you believe in this place enough? Will you believe in this place enough and that God wants to do something through this place enough that you give your time? You give your talents and your passions, you invest your finances into this place so we can experience something God has never done before. Can we all look at ourselves as being in ministry together here and every day wherever God places us? Which leads us in today. We're going chapter four today, okay? So you can feel free to grab your Bibles anytime. You can grab your phones, get there. We're going to go on the screen eventually here. But what you'll see is what happens after we say yes 
to Jesus. What we'll see in chapter 4 is the reality, not only for our church like I talked about last week, but the reality for us personally like we talked about in week 1. So as I speak today of, of what it looks like after we say yes to Jesus, will you balance both those worlds? Will you balance the personal side of yourself and will you think about the church? Because I think both of this is happening. We're talking about Jerusalem and the temple and everything being rebuilt, but we're talking about God's people as well. And so what Nehemiah 4 does is it talks to us personally and talks to us collectively. And what you'll see in Nehemiah 4 is something that we have all faced, whether we realize it or not. We have all sat in Nehemiah's seat in chapter 4. If you've said yes to Jesus, whether that's giving your life through, for salvation or every time you said yes to Jesus that he wants, when he wants to do something through your life, we all have experienced what I'm about to read, you personally and as our church. So today what I'm going to do is I'm going to read all chapter t- uh, 4, all 23 verses. I think every verse is important. And so this is what I want us to do. I tell you this all the time. I want you to leave your seats. I want, you to, I want you to leave here, and I want you to picture yourself in Jerusalem. A city that's torn down, but being rebuilt for the glory and the mission of God. Will you try to picture yourself there? And let me read Nehemiah chapter 4 to you, and may you jump into this story. Verse 1, when Sambalah heard, now Sambalah is a, a leader in the Samaritan army, okay? So this was who he is. When Sambalah heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring back stones to life from their heaps of rubble, burned as they are? Now, Tobiah the Ammonite, also another Samaritan, who who was at his side, said, What they are building, even a fox climbing up on it, would break their wall of stones. Verse 4, Nehemiah says, Hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the faces of the builders. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all of their heart. But when Sambalah, Tobiah, the Arabs, and the Ammonites, and all the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs to the Jerusalem's wall had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people of Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out and there's so much rubble that we can't rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we will be right, we will be right there among them and will kill them and put an end to their work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. 
Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed place, posting them by families with swords and spears and bows. And after I looked over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters and your wives and your homes. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot, and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to our own work. And from that day on, half the men did the work, while the other half equipped with spears and, and, and shields and bows and armor. The officials posted themselves behind, the officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work's extensive and, and spread out, and we're widely separated from each other around the, along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. Verse 21. So we continued the work with half the men holding spears from the first light of dawn till the stars came out. At that time, I also said to the people, have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night so they can serve us as guards by night and as workers by day. Neither I nor my brothers nor my men nor guards with me took off their clothes. Each had his weapon even when he went for water. Do you get what's happening? Could, could you picture this where Nehemiah, were these words powerful enough for you to see what is happening in this moment? And is there anybody in the room, anybody watching online that can say, oh, I know what it's like to sit in Nehemiah's seat. Now, obviously not the exact same story. That's not what I mean. What I mean is, can you relate when something happens in your life, whether by your decisions or just circumstances, and you're doing your best to rebuild? That's what's going on here. It always just seems like something is fighting against you. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever had a time in your life, and maybe that moment is right now, that you're trying your best to rebuild? You're trying your best to do what's right, but it seems like there's one battle after another. Something always seems to be fighting against you. Have you ever felt that emotion? Have you ever had that experience? Fighting against what you're trying to accomplish. Maybe for you, you you're in the middle of trying to rebuild a relationship mess. You've got friendships. You've got a marriage. You've got with a child. And you're trying to do your best to rebuild. But it seems like something is coming in the way, fighting against you all the time. And still, it's just a mess. Maybe you've got a financial mess. You've gotten into this mess and you don't know how to get out, but you're trying. But it feels like there's always one or two many bills. There's always something breaking when you don't expect it. There's an expense. Like, how, how can I catch up? How can I do this? I'm in a mess, and it feels like something is always fighting against me. Maybe you're in a physical or maybe sexual purity mess. Temptations keep destroying you one after another, and you're doing your best, but it feels like I just can't get healthy again in this area. Maybe you're in a spiritual mess. You feel far from God. You feel far from God. 
and all you, you, you think is, I've got to maybe disassociate with some people because they're dragging me down, but they're angry and they won't let go. Or maybe priorities have gotten into a complete mess and you're like, I've got to change this, but that work is so hard. Maybe you've gotten yourself in a place where you're like, I don't know if God still loves me. I've done so much, maybe I'm out of his graces and I can't get that back. I don't know what that relation or that spiritual mess may be. Are you trying to rebuild something and you've ever just felt this way that everything feels like an uphill battle? Well, this is the reason why I go to chapter 4 of Nehemiah. It's why I read all 23 verses. Because I want to say something with clarity and simplicity that you can't miss it. That what Nehemiah chapter 4 reminds us is, is that when you begin to rebuild, you will always face opposition. It's just life. It's just life. Nehemiah reminds us that just because you're trying to do the right thing, just because you're trying to follow God, doesn't mean you won't face opposition while you're doing it. That honestly, sometimes, and maybe you can give testimony to this, that sometimes when you are actually in the will of God and you're making the right decision, that these are some of the most opposition-filled moments of your entire life. When you're trying to build, rebuild life or, or be part of a move of God, you have to understand this, that you will face both physical and spiritual opposition every time. It's been proven over and over. And both are happening in the life of Nehemiah and God's people. Did you see it? Did you see it? When they started, all of a sudden Sambalah is there and Tobiah is there making fun of them, telling they're going to destroy them, that they're fighting against the work and gathering people around them to join in the action. Look, remember these words. What are those feeble Jews doing? What a mocking, Right? What are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifice? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? Have you ever felt like you're trying to do the right thing and people are like, what a joke. Who do you think you are? It's not going to work. Tobias worth. What, are they, what they're building, even a fox, a little fox can jump on it. It'll break down their walls of stone. Or the armies knew that the enemy said, before they know it or see us, we'll be right there among them and we'll kill them and put an end to their work. Physical opposition sometimes is through the people around us. Have you ever experienced that? People can do some of the meanest things, say some of the meanest things when you're trying to get life in order, when you're trying to do what's right. If I gave you a mic today, I think you'd have some stories, right? People love to talk about others and push back against others when they're trying to get their life right. You would think that when people see, oh man, they're really turning their life around, that people would gather around and lift you up. But isn't it true that in your life and sometimes in the church, the exact opposite happens? It's just what broken people do. We could talk all day about the, the physical oppositions and how that sometimes even as people come in the way of rebuilding. 
When you say yes to God, I'm gonna, be re, re, I'm gonna rebuild, whatever that is for you. I need us to know that you are going to face physical opposition, but can I also say maybe that's not the toughest opposition you're gonna face? If you've walked this road, physical oppositions, something you can see, something you can feel, something you can see right in front of you, maybe isn't the hardest opposition you'll face. Because if it is people, well, you can ignore. If it is a situation, you can separate yourself. Maybe those aren't the worst things. Maybe the worst opposition you'll face is a spiritual opposition. Because once again, don't forget, viewing this story of Nehemiah was not just a physical mission. It was a spiritual one. Don't forget what we talked about last week. And any time that God is going to do his work, his purposes, don't think for a second that you don't have a spiritual enemy that's coming at you. That's why the famous words from John chapter 10, verse 10 are so important, and we have to read them and know them over and over again, because John gives a clear picture of what's happening all around us when he says, hey, listen, the thief, the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. John, I think, has to write those words because people have to understand that God is always trying to give life and the enemy is always trying to tear it down. God rebuilds, the enemy destroys. God rebuilds, the enemy destroys. This is the theme of life. And we are, we are facing a spiritual battle, a spiritual opposition every time we say yes to Jesus. And this is why I say it this morning. If we don't understand it, if we don't have eyes to see it, if we don't realize it's going on, if we don't realize it's a reality, then you are going to be confused and frustrated and, and, and beat down because you don't understand when you're trying to follow Jesus, why is life not getting easier? ever felt that way? God, I'm trying to do what's right. Why is life not getting easier? God, I'm trying to follow you, but it feels like things are just coming in my way. This doesn't seem right. But nowhere in the Bible does it say following God means an easier life. It's just a lie. God promises eternal life. God promises abundant life. God promises uh, a, a more, more fulfilling life. God promises a more purposed life. This is what God promises, but some of the hardest days that we ever face will be when we are following the purposes and the will and the mission of God for my life. If that wasn't true, then why did all the disciples get martyred except for one? Disciples' life was better, but doesn't mean it was easier. If life was always going to be easier in a clean road when we follow God, when we're trying to say yes to his thing, then why is Nehemiah hitting one opposition after another through this story? Why is he hitting physical opposition and why is he hitting spiritual opposition? feels like every day. Because Sambla and Tobiah and the rest of the crew that came into this story don't think that the enemy is not using them to push back against a God-inspired rebuild for our life. God wants to rebuild. God wants to do. What we see in chapter 4 is that God's calling is to rebuild. That is for personal life. That is for the move of God through the church. This is in many avenues. But there is going to be opposition. Have you ever felt it before? Do you know this is a reality?
if this is truth and this is what he's saying, then the question is, what do we do when we face opposition? What do we do when we say yes and the next thing is we face opposition in our life, physical or spiritual? And this is why Nehemiah 4 is so important because it gives us hope. It gives us direction. Because just because there's opposition doesn't mean we can't get through it because that is the story of Nehemiah. Chapter 4 is valuable in our lives because what we see is Nehemiah's first response here mirrors his first response in chapter 1 that I talked about. Verse 4, what does it say? Hear us, our God. Four simple words that are filled with power, with filled with everything needed to push back against opposition. See, it wasn't what he did first, it's who he went first, that went to first, that changed his life. It's not what he did first, it's who he went to first that changed his life. The first thing Nehemiah did was Nehemiah's first move was go straight to God, who's greater than any opposition we will ever face. And this is something I'm going to say really simple about this point. I want to give you a promise. I can't give promises a lot, but I will give you this promise. If this is your first move, what Nehemiah did, chapter 1, chapter 4, if this is your first move, you will find greater success in anything that you will ever face in life. If this is your first move. Not your second, not your third, not your fourth, not when things like you have no other outs. If this is your first move, you will find greater success than anything, than anything else can give you. The second thing he did was Nehemiah spoke truth about the opposition. Nehemiah spoke truth about the opposition. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. It wasn't that he just went to God. He spoke truth over the circumstances. He spoke truth to the circumstances. He spoke truth about the circumstances. He spoke truth. We do not need to live in fear when we see and feel opposition. You may be sitting in it right now and fear has grabbed a hold of you. You may be sitting in it right now and fear is what's winning. And I want to say this morning, look at Nehemiah. We don't have to live and feel the fear. We don't have to let fear own us when we see and feel opposition. Because one of the greatest weapons you have of overcoming physical and spiritual opposition is to speak truth to it. You speak the truth to the opposition that's in front of you. You speak truth to what the reality is of the circumstances. In this case, Nehemiah spoke truth to himself, but then he spoke truth for people to hear it around him because they had something great to walk into that God had for them. And there was an opposition in front of them, but Nehemiah's like, no, this opposition will not stop you because we know our calling and we're going to speak the truth to it. We don't need to live in fear. We need to remember who our God is. That whatever we're going through, is God is not only greater than that opposition, no, he's greater than anything in front of you. He has proved himself over and over. Remember, over and over. Remember, he's done through your life, through the lives around you that you see. Don't be afraid. Remember how great and awesome our God is. This morning, I want you to know that God sees you. 
And everything you need to push through the opposition is found in him. And you need to speak that truth so you can hear it. And maybe for those around you who need to hear it as well. And then the third thing he did is Nehemiah called the people to fight for each other. You see that? Fight for your families. Your sons and your daughters and your wives and your homes. The rest of chapter 4 is, 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 is a picture of how they fought together for each other. Taking turns building. Taking turns guarding and, and ready to fight. When I see this, I see the church at play. When I see this, it's, it reminds me and, and gives a picture of why the church is so important because I believe the church is a powerful place in our lives when we are in unity for the glory and the mission of God and we are fighting for each other. We're at our most powerful place is when we are living in unity for the mission and glory of God and we are fighting for each other. This is why I think it's important to have a consistent routine of worshiping together, a consistent routine of serving together, a consistent routine of being in small groups together. Because I believe one of the biggest fights the enemy has, the biggest battles he brings to us is division and separation. If he can separate us from people fighting for each other, he can separate us from having a common unity and mission where we're going, then his schemes are more powerful and we do not accomplish as much for the kingdom of God. So the question is simple this morning, who do you have fighting for you? Who are you fighting for? Who are you praying for? Who are you texting? Who are you calling? Who are you reaching out to? What small group are you in? We have groups in our church right now. We'll have more that, that, that are coming in August. And some of you need to start a small group because some of you need to bring an environment where people can come together so that we can fight for each other. In these groups, in these relationships, are you talking about your lives? Are you spending time hearing about what's going on so that you can fight for each other? In these groups, it's not just about a Bible study. It's about relationships where people are in community and they're fighting for each other. If we're not doing that, then the enemy can have more of a grasp on us. We need to be in relationships where we're fighting for each other. This is what Nehemiah tells us. In our relationships... Are we talking real life? Are we being vulnerable about real life so that we can battle together? I think God wants to do things in us personally and through this church. I, if you missed last week, I'm not going to go over that again, but you know that I've got this deep belief that something is coming. And last week I made a call to action that we be on mission and purpose together but this week, I want to remind us that when we say yes to God, opposition is coming always. When we say yes to God, opposition is going to come. But when we experience opposition, I'm hoping we learn from Nehemiah that we need to bring all of those battles to God. Every one of those battles. We need to speak truth of what we know about God. And we need to fight for each other. Y'all, this is about your personal life and this is about us as a church. That me, Nehemiah is showing us 
who we need to be. Because if he wants to do something great through and in your life, he wants to do something great in and through this church, there will be opposition. There'll be physical opposition, there'll be spiritual opposition. But I'm telling you, when those oppositions come, I have, I've listened to these words and I'm just, I'm bringing them to God. Because that is where the battle is won. I see it in chapter one and I see it in chapter four. This is where the battle is won. And I want to call us to that. And I want you to not fear. I want you to remember who God is and how awesome he is. And speak that truth to whatever opposition you face. And I want you to take a, a deep, hard look at your life and say, are you fighting for each other? Or are you fighting against people in your life? How much of your life is spent building up, praying for, reaching out and saying, I'm not fighting against people, I'm fighting for people. Are you a person that people can look at and say, I'm glad I have them in my corner? Because we have enough people, enough situations, enough, enough opposition fighting against us. Who are gonna be the people that will fight for other people around them? Who will be the people that fight for our church? Because the enemy is against this place and everything that, the God, everything that God wants to do in and through it. Who will fight for this place through prayer? Who will fight for this place through serving? Who will fight for this place through worship? Who will fight for this place as we build up each other? I think that's what God is looking for. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to end in worship as we do. And I'm going to invite you to take that first step. If there's something you're battling, and bring it to God. We haven't had our time of prayer yet that we have every week. And I want to open, as, as I do, the, these altars at the end. There's nothing special about these altars except for there's something about taking a step and saying, God, I'm bringing this to you. And if you're going through a battle, there's something that you feel right now that you're trying to rebuild. You're trying to make the right choice. You're trying to bring it. It's tough. Maybe the first move is what you need to do to mirror what Nehemiah did. What that, that was to bring it to God. God, hear me. People are against me. So can we pray and then we're going to worship together. Heavenly Father, I believe this room and those watching online today can be people who say yes to you. I believe at our core, at our heart, we want to be people that say yes to you. But when we say yes to you, personally and as a church, God, opposition comes. But God, you are greater than any opposition that we will ever face. God, we remember your greatness. We remember your love. We remember your presence in our lives. We remember you. So God, I just pray today that we be people that walk the same steps that Nehemiah did and bring our battles to you. Speak truth to those battles. And God, that we would be people who would fight for each other every step of the way. I continue to ask you to do a great work in and through this place, in individuals and us as a church, God. 
But God, help us to not believe that we can push through anything by ourselves. We need you to lead us. We need you to cover us. We need you to put your strength in our lives so that we can overcome the opposition. It's your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you would like to hear more, check out our website at OurOneHope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.